0: Welcome to Don't Quote Me On That. One day, we will have an intro, but today is not that day. Hi, I'm Eleanor.
1: And I'm Kalina.
0: And welcome back to Don't Quote Me On That, where today we are talking about a movie, uh, I think that we both like. I won't say it's brand new, or breaking, that we'll do that, but like, you know, it's definitely not normal that we a both like a movie and b talk about it on the show one is a lot um you know less likely than the other one
1: you can and it's not twilight
0: it's not twilight but don't worry it's very much related to twilight
1: oh boy i've seen this movie several times and i don't know if i could relate it so i'm interested to see what you came up with
0: oh The only way I can relate it is that they were both released from the same um, production company. But I'm counting.
1: If you give me some time to think, I think we can come up with something, maybe. I'll work on that. Anyway, what are we talking about? I know it's in the title, but what are we talking about?
0: Oh, the movie we're talking about is Now You See Me. Uh, It's from 2013. Um. Wikipedia says it's a heist thriller, but I think it's just a fun time.
1: It's my favorite kind of movie. I've just decided this because um, I really like the Ocean's Eleven movies. I I can rewatch Ocean's Eleven all of the time and they all get together and they commit a crime and they all have different backgrounds. And in this movie, they all get together and then they commit a crime and they all have different backgrounds. It was great.
0: I do think that is kind of the, um, is what a heist movie is. I think you might like heist movies.
1: I think so, too. There's also this movie, funnily enough, now that you mention it, it's called Tower Heist. My dad loves that movie. And they all have different backgrounds, and then they get together to commit a crime. And we watch it every Thanksgiving.
0: I, I think it being called Tower Heist might have, um, Hinted that it was a heist movie.
1: I think you're very rude. (laughs)
0: Uh, Okay. I didn't take a lot of um, notes chronologically. I just kind of wrote down what I thought was funny. Eleanor. I
1: suppose. Chronologically is the important part. Don't worry. I will give us a play-by-play. Because I've seen this movie entirely too many times. Okay? So what happens is the movie opens. And then you get in this little voiceover, and he's like... Basically, the gist of the voiceover and a recurring theme in the movie is the closer you are to something, the more you miss. So he's like, I want you to get close. I want you to get real close. Because the closer you get to me, the more you're not going to see what's happening. Um, That's a little voiceover done by the character Danny Atlas. I do not like him.
0: I love... I- yeah have a soft this is gonna surprise Uh no one i have a soft spot for jesse eisenberg i think he's so cute i think he's very funny um i it is because i watched what what's the end the social network i watched it a little too many times for like what it is but i really like it
1: and i really like i don't him. have a problem with jesse eisenberg i just think his character is really obnoxious and arrogant oh, so i find him very annoying
0: his character is super obnoxious but i think everyone else is like equally obnoxious so he gets a pass also hey, do in the social network, my man
1: my man is in this movie what did, is that what you said because it sounded like you said the cell phone at work and i was just letting you run with that because uh, no the social I'd... network Okay, I was hoping that's what you said, but I heard, definitely heard the cell phone at work, and I was like, Eleanor, what are you doing with your dad? That
0: too. You know, I watch the Social network a lot, because it has Jesse Eisenberg and Andrew Garfield, and they don't kiss, but, like, I feel like they should, you know? Does that make any sense?
1: So, anyway, what happens is the movie opens, and you're getting this little voiceover done by Jesse Eisenberg, who's playing Danny Atlas um first scene I have problems with he's doing card tricks in front of a mirror with his eyes closed I can understand doing card tricks in front of the mirror to like check yourself so you can see what the audience sees so you're not slipping up why are his eyes closed that defeats the purpose of the mirror anyway he's doing his little voiceover and then at the last moment he he picks a card and it changes all of a sudden which is really cool and then we get he's outside and he's doing the card trick to this to this lady and he's like and you can tell there's like a crowd around her but he's like I want you to pick a card and he flicks through the deck so she can see and he goes I'm sorry that was too fast I'll do it again and he flicks through the card deck again a little slower and she picks the card in her mind and then he spreads the cards out and he goes is your card here and he said she they say no and she says no and then he's like remember what I told you the closer you look and then the whole crowd goes the less you see. Now, realistically, <laughs> I have a lot of thoughts about this scene. He would not have amassed that large of a crowd off of crowd tricks well, alone. Like a, have, a crowd have would have a gathered.
0: I have a theory, okay? Are you ready? Um, in the universe in which this film takes place...
1: Jesse Eisenberg um, is the hottest me, man to no, exist.
0: Worse. Music (laughs) stopped after classical music. (laughs) And because there's no, like, pop stars or musicians, it falls on the magicians.
1: No, I like a good... Listen, and I'm not saying, like, it's super improbable. Like, he would definitely gather a crowd doing card tricks, right? He wouldn't have gathered that large of a crowd. Because, like, you know, like, I like... Also, it's funny you say the music thing because that man commented. This man comment is in the movie, and he's a musician. But anyway, um, it's like like I'm pretty sure David Blaine or like other musicians who like have a really big following don't do just car tricks. They be like levitating. And, you know what I mean? Like they're doing some. Just ridiculous stuff and getting crowd. I don't know
0: anything about. The only thing I know about. No, I just know the man's
1: name movie. is David Blaine and he's a magician. But also, I think in the loosest sense of the term. I, also thought, I I like. I like magicians, but I prefer like. We'll come to this in a little bit, but like I per, I don't like shock value. Mag- magic is fun, but I prefer you know like smaller tricks, like stuff like card tricks and who what we'll see in a little bit, but like.
0: Again. My theory is there are no pop stars or musicians, so all of the clout has to go somewhere, and for some reason, it ended up on magicians.
1: I'm trying really hard to disprove that, but I can't. You can't. Because I don't think we hear any music in this film.
0: The, like, the main part of music that we hear, and the only music that has any, any like semblance of a plot point, classical music.
1: Anyway, also, David, like David Blaine, so you got people like David Blaine who's classified here as an illusionist endurance artist and extreme performer. And I'm not saying David Blaine doesn't do magic, but at a certain point, like, there's a line, you know what I mean? Yeah. But unfortunately, Eleanor's theory does make sense. I'm going to ignore it because that's not my theory and I want her to be wrong, but it makes sense. Anyway. He shows the lady that he, like, flicks through the deck twice, and he makes her pick a card. And then she picks the card, and then it's not in the deck. Oh, my God, where is it? The closer you look, the less you see. And then we all look at this big, tall building, and then the seven of diamonds pops up on the card. Now, what I really like about what they did here is both times when he flicks through the deck, you, the audience, sees the deck as well, and you see the seven of diamonds.
0: Well, yeah, that's how they do the trick. They, they like, fold through the cards in such a way that the, What?
1: Yes, I don't know the that's one how magic they did trick it. I know. I don't know. So I'm sorry. Go ahead then. Go on.
0: Oh, I I'm sorry. Is the Magic Federation gonna come after me? You can Google it. What they do is they they they'll like shuffle the cards, but like at you, and they'll they'll do it in such a way that the card that they want you to pick um lasts the longest. It's only like a split second longer than the rest of them, but it but it lasts the longest. So it's the one that sticks in your mind, and so you choose it. Which is how they're able to to guess your card. I can't go to magic trick shows. Um, I went to a hypnotist once on a cruise ship, and um, the whole time I was so hey, terrified about off? getting picked for um, audience participation that I couldn't, I could not pay attention.
1: I think he should have thrown you off the cruise ship. Anyway, we see the seven of diamonds. She picks the seven of diamonds. That's what's on the field. <laughs> and then we leave annoying danny atlas and we get to um i called this man merrick for a very long time and apparently his name is Merritt with a t but like they sound the same so whatever we get to older woody harrelson uh merrick with a ck Ah. which like honestly close enough Mm mm-hmm um anyway we get like this close-up of young woody harrelson and then it zooms out and it turns out it's a poster and it's older woody harrelson because that's who's (gasps) playing this man um and he is like a he's a hypnotist speaking of hypnosis that's he's he's like a mentalist
0: mentalist? thank you if i recall
1: the first thing the mentalist did was hypnotize the woman so technically that is in his skill set that's what he does fun fact you
0: know who's also a mentalist the guy from Psych.
1: Mm-hmm. He is. Isn't there a show called the Mentalist?
0: There is also a show called Mentalist, but that guy is annoying. And so the only mentalist we recognize in this house is Sean. And, old,
1: and older Woody Harrelson in this movie. Yep. um so he hypnotizes this lady and he tells and then she wakes up he's like if you can grab this bill out of my hand you can have it and if you can speak you can have it and he's hypnotized her so she can't move she likes move her arms but she can't move her legs past the point she's at and she can't speak like she can't move open her teeth is that becomes important later um and then he goes over to her husband and her husband's like oh no 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 not me and then her husband Yeah, that's right. I used the right pronouns there. Um, And then her husband, he's like, oh, I'm seeing someplace Florida. And, like, why is it always Florida? To be fair, I would have guessed it was Florida that they were in right now because they're at, like, some, like, beachy resort. And then a shot we see at the end of this scene is this guy, like, standing in the rain, but it's still kind of, like, got a beachy (laughs) vibe. And I thought they – I would have just assumed they were in Florida anyway. Anyway.
0: nothing good
1: happens in Florida. That's my side note. Yeah, he's like, I'm seeing Florida. And the husband's like, oh, yeah, I was on a business trip and oh mr Merritt is like oh yeah it's business perhaps the oldest business and then That's he goes I'm... and then he goes i'm getting a name and i i like that we get hints into how their magic works without spoiling too much like we see the card trick with danny atlas and then here we kind of get like a close-up of the husband's like eyes and mouth because what Merritt does is he goes through the alphabet he goes a b c d g and then like once he sees how the guy reacts he says jay and he guesses the name Janet. And he's like, oh, who's Janet? And he turns to the wife. He goes, do you know Janet? And she's like, yeah. And she nods. She can't speak, so she nods. And he goes, oh, no, please don't tell me that's your best friend. And she, like, tries to say it's her sister, but, like, she can't speak properly. He goes, oh, no, your sister. And then he turns to the husband and he goes, you weren't on business in Florida. You were in bu- on business with Janet. <laughs> um, And I understandably, also- yeah.
0: I think the hardest part about being that kind of magician, the, the you know, uh, the the mentalist, is mm-hmm. just the sheer amount of like popular names you'd have to have memorized. Because oh, for some I was reason, thinking that
1: because like imagine it was me, he wouldn't guess my name.
0: No, he would not. And like,
1: yeah, I did blow over that before he picks Janet. Like he they goes only like,
0: only go after white people too, because <laughs> I feel like goes... those have like those are like the easiest <laughs> names to guess. You know.
1: Because before, I, I didn't mention this, but when he's, like, going through, the, after he picks Jay, he's like, Jane, I can't even think of Jay names, but he's like, Jane, 있나, d- ants, Janet, and he's like, it's Janet. But, like, he goes through a list of names, and, like, yeah, who whose name are you gonna guess? But, I mean, like, if you're laying groundwork, this comes, that actually this will come up later, laying groundwork, I think it's a little easier. But, like, yeah, yeah for these, like, little short verse... Also, like, to be fair, not to stereotype... Well, actually, no, I'm not going to finish that sentence. I'm going to move on. No,
0: um, please.
1: Please. No, I, I think my my black card will get revoked if I finish that sentence. So, <laughs> um, and I, I already only have half of a black card, so I'd like to keep it, um... So he says so his wife starts to start to attack him, so he moves him out the way where his wife can't reach him and he's like, I think that's worth two hundred and fifty dollars and the guy's like, What do you shake down everyone? And Merrick is like Merrick is like, Oh, only the special ones, but like, maybe you don't cheat on your wife and then you can't get the shakedown. You know it's hard, yeah, hard to like, get you shaken don't down for. A, Not you cheating. don't
0: really have a leg to stand on in that instance, you know?
1: Now at the end of the scene we see this man standing in the rain in the hoodie and if we remember i didn't mention this but if we remember when we watched the movie um at the after at the end of like Danny Atlas revealing the card on the building on the side of the building we see a man in a hoodie in the crowd now a hoodie man is standing in the rain after Merritt's trick i feel like that's more conspicuous like I, I like you get the feeling he doesn't want to be seen cuz when we only see him from behind we never see his face his hoodie's pulled up and he's always like kind of off to the side but I feel like standing in the rain, very obvious. You could have, yeah, like, sat at a table. At, you know, the
0: people who are doing the tricks, they're so obsessed with, you know, making sure the trick goes well that, you know, if somebody isn't in front they of them. They don't notice
1: a man standing in the rain? Be,
0: being tricked.
1: Look. He's getting poured on.
0: they they just want to get their bag and he is not actively giving them a bag. So they're going to move on real quick.
1: Anyway. Also, if you get... start
0: picking out little things like that, you're going to have a heck of a time with the rest of the movie.
1: Eleanor, see what? I had to because I watched this movie so many times. <laughs> I know what happened. You see, I, I didn't take notes on what happened in the scenes. I just remember. <laughs> oh,
0: God. I will say and the then we get to I the best kind movie. of
1: magic and the best character in the whole movie, Okay. And I'm not biased at all. Genuinely. I do think this is what made me a fan of Dave Franco, though, because I don't think I liked him before this. But Dave Franco shows up and he hops on the little ferry and he's like, I'll give a hundred dollars to anyone who can tell me how this. Oh, Jack, sorry. Dave Franco's name is Jack Wilder, because of course it is. So Jack gets on the ferry and he's like, I'm going to give a hundred dollars to anyone who can tell me how this trick works. Here I have an ordinary spoon some from Random Diner on 15th Street. I think he's, he says something like that, right? And he, like, taps the spoon against the railing so everyone can hear it. And he's like, I'm now going to bend this with my mind. Which I'm not exaggerating. He says it exactly like that. The, and everyone, the, yes. So... <laughs> and it's beautiful. And he holds the spoon up and he bends it. And everyone's like, oh, my God, that's amazing. And then this guy comes out the crowd and then shows that he's got a, like a couple sp- a spoon and like a, half a spoon hidden in his sleeve. And that's how you do the trick. And he's like, and the guy's kind of aggressive about it, right? And Jack Wilder's like, oh, come on, I got so many other tricks. And the guy's like, or you could give me your hundred dollars, the hundred dollars. And everyone in the crowd's like, yeah, you said you would. Which I think was fair. I don't think the man had to be rude like so rude about it, but like he did say he would give him a hundred dollars if someone could say how he did the trick. So he did. He gotta own up to that. Um, and then I wrote, My favorite kind of magic is thievery because then Jack is like, All right, fine. He gives the guy a hundred dollars and he like hustles off the fairy before it takes off and as the fairy's taking off, the guy who found out how he did the trick was like, Wait, my watch, my wallet and he's trying to get people to stop Jack Wilder because Jack Wilder took off with his watch and wallet. But guess what? No one does stops him. But as Jack, as Jack is hustling off the ferry, he bumps into someone. Who is it? Hoodie Man. We still haven't seen his face. Remember this for later.
0: I just want to say the the first time I saw Hoodie Man, you know, call me American. I was convinced he was going to just start shooting, because I I had no idea. Coming into this movie, this is not the first time I've watched it, but the very first time I watched it, uh, Kalina wouldn't tell me anything about it. She would just tell me that it's the best movie in the world. I don't think I not said not very that. helpful.
1: I've reserved okay, that do... for Spirit, the Stallion of the Cimarron, which I made <laughs> Eleanor watch. Now, I will say now you see me pretty close up there
0: okay Yes. sorry you just you just hyped it up maybe you didn't use the word best but like you wouldn't tell me a lot about it you just were like it's good i promise so i didn't know what was gonna happen mm-hmm. i didn't really know what to expect i thought he was gonna start shooting and he did not which i can't say i was disappointed about but that is
1: that's my only commentary on on hoodie man um next one her name is henley um, she. That's her is... name. Yeah, what did you think her name was?
0: I didn't know. I thought her name was Haley, and then I thought it was something stupid, but it's something stupid, so I was right.
1: Yeah, her name's Henley. Um, and she's like doing, and she's like in like some weird warehouse or something. Okay, real magic takes place in warehouses and street corners. Personally speaking, and ferries, and retirement homes in Florida. Um. <laughs> That's the list. That's the comprehensive list. Anyway, she's in like this warehouse and it's packed, right? And she's like standing on top of this giant tank full of water. And she's like, I'm gonna hop. Now, I don't watch this scene as closely because the gist of it is basically she's gonna be handcuffed to the bottom of the tank. Feet. Hands and feet. And then after 60 seconds, they're gonna drop piranhas on her. So what happens here is she... She's having a hard time getting out. And then she gets out and she gets she like gets to the top and she gets a gasp of air but the time run, the time has run out on her right as she takes her breath so then all the piranhas drop on her and everyone's like, "Oh my god." And they're like trying to help her get out and then the water turns red and then we see Hoodie Man standing in the crowd and then all of a sudden we hear this girl yelling, "Oh, this is such a bad trick. Like anyone who would come up with this is a sick sadist." And then we pan to the person who's yelling and it's her drenched like soaking wet because she just got out of the tank full of piranhas but she's in the crowd yelling about how this is a horrible trick and everyone's like oh my god this is amazing (laughs) and i feel like with close-up magic um it's easier to feel cheated because like if you look back right there's so there's piranhas the water turned red no one could see her anymore real easy for her and i'm not saying it's easy to escape from a tank full of water and room full of people okay i'm not saying that it's easy it is easier to hide that, you know, with all that's going on. There are a Everyone's lot more layers out.
0: to, like, look at, yeah.
1: Versus if I'm pickpocketing you while giving you $100, and you don't realize till 30 seconds later. It's a little bit more impressive, yeah. Now, back to my beef with Danny Atlas. He's not that hot. Even if you think Jesse Eisenberg is cute, and you think magic is cool... He was not hot enough for this next scene cuz he takes a, he takes the girl who he's doing the card trick with home and she is all over him mm-hmm. in every sense of the word. Sh- he's not that cute. Again, again, but if he is essentially a
0: pop star, he is. You know, you got to you got to think about it. If if he is essentially, you know, an up-and-coming musician who in this universe Will be rich from doing all his magic soon. That adds to the hotness, okay? How rich he's can not he be? Hot. He's, he's doing magic
1: not... on a street corner.
0: Okay. I, he's going to be picked up by a big magician label soon, and his artist, his trick album will come out. <laughs>
1: his what? His trick album. All right, everyone, his comment below tricks. the name of Eleanor and I's trick album, please. <laughs>
0: Well, it also, like, I'm just saying it makes sense. And if he, you know, if you read him as a future pop star, it makes sense. That it makes sense in Eleanor's very that
1: convoluted theory. Yes, I will give you that.
0: It's not a convoluted. I. It's backed up by facts and figures. It's not
1: backed up by facts. In fact, it is backed up by the absence of facts, which I don't think qualifies.
0: The fact is that I think it's true.
1: Anyway, she's like this this <laughs> girl's all <laughs> it's a over fact. him. And then she calls him Magic Man and if I were um Danny Atlas, I would have made her leave after that. Um but then he notices this card <laughs> on his table and he just shoves her off of him and then tells her to leave. And she's like, Oh my god, is this like some sort of sick trick you do? You get girls up here and then tell them to leave and he's like, yeah, yeah, whatever. I'll call you. And she's like, you don't have my number. Which like, she's girl, like, you just don't have get my number. But she's like, you don't have my number. And he's like, yeah. She's like, very insistent that they
0: stay and sleep together. But like, if he would, if he would shove you
1: off of him, it's not gonna be fun for some random yeah. card. I don't even think she knew <laughs> why different. he shoved. Her off, but she's like, You don't have my number. And he's like, I'm a magician, I'll figure it out. Close it over, I'm behind a magician,
0: you. I'll find it.
1: And he's looking at this card, and he gets it on the it looks like a tarot card almost. And he is, he's got the it lover tarot card. Well, it's not a tarot card because I don't think tarot cards have addresses on the back, eleanor So, okay, fine, it's a picture of a tarot card with something else on the back. That's like that photo of a pipe that is like, this is not a pipe. Says, it's a photo of a pipe. Shut up. Anyway, it looks like a tarot card and it says the lover <laughs> and then he turns it over and there's an address and a date and a time on the back. Um, and then we get to Jack Wilder. He's standing on the beach. He's like checking his hole from pickpocketing this guy. And in his back pocket, which like, I guess if you're a pickpocket, you check your pockets often. But like, it would have taken me ages to check my back jeans pocket. But he checks his pocket and he finds a card in there, and his says death, and then the same address, date, time on the back. Then Merrick get Merrick gets his card, his is the hermit, and then Henley finds her card floating in the tank of piranhas the that she had fallen into because
0: water.
1: where else would you put it? And hers is the high priestess. Yeah, I
0: wouldn't. Lo- I would find. I would find something in my back pocket pretty easily because I put things in a lot of my pockets I would not, if I had just escaped from a thing I wouldn't go back
1: and like check on the piranhas yeah I'm like why didn't the piranhas I know piranhas eat flesh but like they wouldn't have like tested it out first wouldn't the water have destroyed anyway a lot of questions not important to the plot (laughs) at all Um, well it's magic. it's magic you have to remember that anytime we're confused that's what we're going to say it's magic Anyway, we see Henley pulling up to this building, and then a cab pulls up behind her. Danny Atlas climbs out, and he's like, "Hey, Henley! Oh my god, they know each other." So back to what I was saying before. You'll never
0: guess why they know each other.
1: What I was talking about before, and I cut myself off before we introduced Henley, is um, you know about the four of them working together. Merritt and Atlas kind of butt heads because Atlas is a butt head. <laughs> um, and then, <laughs> I came up with that on the spot <laughs> I can tell <laughs> and then Henley and Danny used to work together and Henley used to be his assistant we find out in a, in, in a few minutes but she used to be his assistant and now she's doing her own show and um, there's some tension around why she left and stopped being his assistant so they also have some issues and then Jack Wild- well, Jack Wilder just loves Danny Atlas which like do better Jack okay I love you but like pick a better idol
0: I love him he walks up and he's like oh my god Danny Atlas I've seen every trick you've ever done and like again <laughs> who's the only person you would ever say that to a musician thank you I hate
1: you're right maybe they don't have <laughs> actors maybe they just don't have famous actors and they're like you know how like you'd be like oh my god I've seen every movie you've ever been in except this one is I've seen every <laughs> trick album you put out <laughs> Maybe they don't have
0: actors, or maybe it's, just, maybe it's just the world's most boring universe. So they have to fucking go back to magicians. Okay. But just, just real quick, real quick, before I give it back to you, Harry Potter would have been better if this is the kind of magic they did.
1: <laughs> Going off to David Blaine Magic School in Scotland. <laughs> Anyway, before Jack shows up and opens the door for them, um, they're up there and they're talking, and Merrick's like doing his mentalist stuff on them, but like for fun. And Danny Atlas is like, oh, let me just tell you, I know what you do, and it's you know, I don't, I'm no, I don't think it's real magic, blah blah. And he's just being obnoxious, and Merrick's like, oh, I can see why you two aren't a couple anymore, and they're like, oh no, we weren't a couple. I used to be his assistant, and then they, then the. Um, Danny and Henley get an argument about, like, why she couldn't be his assistant anymore because she couldn't fit in the space that he had cut out for her to, like, hide in. And she was like, and at one point she goes, do you know how hard it is to stay in those tiny little costumes? And Danny Atlas goes, no, I'm the main attraction. Shut up.
0: Which, like, no, he's not.
1: He is. I, I, I do suppose, though, that Danny and Henley are probably the most famous out of all four of them. Because you get the feeling that Merritt, like, used to be... Because, like, even on his poster, it's a photo of young him. It's, so, like, he used well, yeah, to be really famous.
0: That he he did used to be really famous, but um, somebody stole all his money, and then he was left all sad.
1: And Jack is very clearly, like, up-and-coming street magician you know so he walks up and he's like oh my god you're my hero and yeah they go the door's locked and then he goes oh no nothing's nothing's ever locked and then he pulls out his um his lock picking kit but i wrote down remember that nothing's ever locked it's very important it comes into play later So a lot of foreshadowing in this movie i think this movie foreshadowing wise very well done because it's a lot of little things that like it's not even obvious when they come into play later but they all do and then Mm -hmm. And not, not a that's not a. spoiler there is a big plot twist and I won't tell you what it is but there is a big plot twist but even when you watch the movie back all the it doesn't spoil the plot twist for you
0: mm-hmm.
1: like it doesn't you, you don't watch the movie back and go oh that was super obvious that that was what was happening you know at least I don't think so
0: there are a couple there were a couple moments where, like because the only thing I remembered about this movie was the plot twist so there are a couple times. Where I was like, oh, now that I know, that's really obvious. But it wasn't, like, super, super glaring, even, like, knowing what yeah. was
1: going to come. Mm. Like, every time I watch it, every time I watch it and I get to the end, I'm like, that was just, who would have known? It's me, because I've seen the movie ten times. But, <laughs> now, I love any Four Horsemen and the De- the Seven Deadly Sins imagery, connotations. We talked about this and I talked about it, I mean, I made it up on the spot when we when mm-hmm. we did Scott Pilgrim. Um, who I think falls into the Scott Pilgrim and Jesse Eisenberg fall into the same category of man. Well not Scott Pilgrim, Michael Sarah and Jesse Eisenberg fall into the same 100%, category of man. hundred percent
0: that is correct, yes.
1: Um, but um in Scott Pilgrim he's got Ramona's got seven evil exes and I said that they were the seven deadly sins. So here, um, basically, they're in this apartment and they're like trying to figure out who called them there and the apartment's really grimy like if i saw the bathroom i would have left because it was just gross and i said this is how you join the list of a serial killer's victims because it's just this like unfurnished rundown looking apartment and there's a card on the floor and they pick it up and it says now you don't which should have been the name of the sequel to this movie just irrelevant side note um and Merritt does what I think is one of the funniest things he does in the whole movie. He like puts his hands to his head like he's doing his mentalist trick. He's like, hang on, hang on. And then there's a long pause and everyone's looking at him. He goes, yeah, I got nothing. And Danny <laughs> Atlas is like, thank you for the delay. And he was like, I'm just trying to create the space for wisdom. And Danny Atlas goes, oh, so you're like Buddha if he wasn't so enlightened. And then Merritt goes, and you're like Jesus if he was arrogant and all of his miracles were fake. <laughs> Which, like, is fair. Um, and then they're like and then um what's her name henley's like danny be honest did you do this and he's like no and he asked jack did you do this and jack's like no i wish (laughs) he's so cute then we after the title screen they're in las vegas they're doing a big show and they are called the four horsemen i'm trying to get back to why i brought up the four horsemen earlier basically um if we're going with the four horsemen analogy because that's the name of their little magic group I broke down who was who. Now, Jack got the death card. So, obviously, he is death. I felt like that one was pretty obvious.
0: Yes, um, I, I would agree.
1: Put two and two together. And I want everyone to remember Jack gets the death card because that's very important later. Now, Danny gets the lover card. And I said that was conquest um, because I felt like... You know, if you think about his relationship with Henley and how he likes to take, he likes to be in charge, and then Danny's kind of like the unofficial leader of the Four Horsemen as well. So he, you know, he has he has conquered them. I know that's not how you say it, but you know, he's conquest. Then I said Merritt got the hermit card, so he would be famine because I associate being a hermit with not necessarily having all the luxuries of life. So he'd probably be the most likely to starve. Okay. And then Henley is the high priestess and what was left was war, so she's war. Which I suppose if you're going into war you want the, the want the magic on your side. Anyway, I love any four. I that was there was no reason for me to do that. I just really like Four Horsemen and Seven Deadly Sins. Well
0: the reason is because you've seen this movie a million times, your your mind was allowed to wander <laughs> what
1: you i it. I needed to do something to keep it interesting. Um, and then I said, is there magic? So basically, when the movie opens, it's like it's like New York, Monday. And then when we see them in Las Vegas, it's like one year later. And they're in Vegas, obviously. Um, and I was surprised it was only a year. Like, is there magic? Are they really that good at magic? Or did, like, you know, the clout? Because we've decided Danny's the most famous. And if, if we're going with Eleanor's argument of them being the equivalent of musicians and actors... Did Danny's clout just help them get famous that fast? Because I feel like going from performing in what looks like, like a not very visited vacation spot and, like, the ferry in New York to a stage in Las Vegas, a sold-out stadium in Las Vegas, very different things, and, like, a year seems like a very short timeline.
0: Well... I think it was probably six months of intense practice and then six months of extreme publication. Remember, they have a very, very rich and famous benefactor mm-hmm. who probably put, you know, millions of dollars into, you know, publicity and got them on, you know, Jimmy Fallon, maybe yeah. got them on Conan O'Brien. You know, I I think a year is a good enough time, especially because you have to remember the Internet exists. And assuming it exists in this timeline, which it does. You know, they had, like, one trick go viral on Mm -hmm. 2013. Yeah, true. They had, yeah, they had one that, like, went viral on Twitter and Instagram. And then they were booked. And then just each show, they kept upping the ante. So people were like, oh, my goodness, what are they going to do next? Which leads us to what they do in their big, like, sold-out show.
1: Mm -hmm. And I do remember a little later... They say that most of the stadium was, like, people, their benefactor. His name is Arthur yeah. Tressler. Um, paid Seat to, like, killers. be there just to fill up the place. So that makes sense. Now, again, Danny, unofficial leader. He's kind of, like, you know, guiding the conversation and the show so that they get to the end point. I still think, and everyone's, like, cheering for Danny. Realistically, Jack would have been the most popular. He's the youngest. He's objectively the best-looking. I think if you want to put him in I I, I that lady together, whose name I can't say. Henley together, they're the best looking. But, like, he's young, he's a dude. The girls be all over him, right? Not saying that there wouldn't be Danny hype. But, like, I just think Jack would have been the most popular member in the group. And I don't think that's biased. But I do think Danny makes a good leader. I do think he's a good choice for being the unofficial, like, group person in charge. And then we see... You remember on the internet a while ago when everyone was like, who always understands the assignment? Who has the range? Um, I've decided today that every single person was wrong unless you put Morgan Freeman. Because you know who always understands the assignment? Morgan Freeman.
0: I think, and Clean and I have talked about this a lot a lot before, half of Morgan Freeman is just the way that he says lines and not necessarily yes. his character.
1: That's the it's
0: assignment. Not a... Oh, the assignment is being able to talk?
1: <laughs> the assignment is sounding like Morgan Freeman. That's what I was going to say.
0: <laughs> oh, okay. Then, yeah, he always 100% nails that.
1: Yeah. No, he's... No, What hap... the reason I said that is because I was thinking about Shawshank Redemption and, like, how he goes from that playing a character that I think arguably was well-liked and, like, you know, kind of not an underdog, but, like, you you know, you're rooting for him even though he's in prison, versus here he plays a guy who very quickly becomes annoying. And like I wasn't annoyed <laughs> cuz I was like I love Morgan Freeman, but like he's not like a good guy in this movie, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um and then so they're doing their show and they're talking and while they're talking they're like, "Oh, um if you they're like, we'd like to thank our benefactor Arthur Trestler and they make him stand up and they're like, "He's the reason we're here." And Arthur Trestler, who's played by Michael Caine, who's probably most famous for playing Alfred in Batman. So we all know what Alfred Caine sounds like. He's got that He's got the gusto. Alfred Caine also kind of plays himself to be fair cuz he's got a very distinct voice, I think. But anyway, he stands up and he's like, "If you're if you turn out to be half as good as you think you are, this will be fine." And I said, "Half as good? Have you not seen them perform before? Why does he why did he say it like that?"
0: <laughs> My but question- then they go he had to, okay, I think, I'm just coming up with this on the fly. He has, like a, like, a young, hip niece or granddaughter who is, like, grandfather or uncle, I think for my birthday, you should give them a sold-out show, or, like, I think you, I, you know, I'll convince, you know, my mother to love you again if you give them a show. He's got to, like, it's definitely, he didn't wake up and was like, yeah, let's do this. Because that'd be ridiculous. I think, you know, mm-hmm. he had some outside force compelling him.
1: The outside force was, I can make money off of this.
0: Or he's hypnotized. Yeah, because, like, in this universe, nobody would be, like, "It in, you know, our hometown universe of Earth, no one would think... <laughs> magician, when they think money grab, they would think no. viral
1: song. Which, again... <laughs> There's no musicians in this universe. Exactly. <laughs> um, and So, they're they're like, okay, now for our final trick. We're going to do something that's never been before been done on a Las Vegas stage. And then Jack goes, or any stage for that matter. And then Danny goes, we're going to rob a bank. And everyone's cheering because of course um and so they have like these um henley merritt and jack all have like these little bins filled with like like bingo balls almost and yeah
0: they're just ping pong balls with numbers and letters on them
1: and the audience is picking and they pick a ball and the each of the the three horsemen pass it to danny and he's like okay we're in section b row 5 seat 13 And who's in B-513? And it's this um, French man. And they're like, okay, what's your bank? And he's like, the Credit Republican de Paris. And Danny goes, well, we were hoping for something a little more local, like a mom-and-pop credit union with no security. security. But a promise (laughs) is a promise. So they bring Etienne up on stage. And that's when they're doing This is while they thank Arthur Tressler as he's coming up to the stage. And then Merritt just chest punches the man. He just he just like hits him in the chest and hypnotizes him, which we only get like for a second. But like he hits him in the chest, says something to him, and after they finish thanking Arthur Tressler, Etienne, who's our the man whose bank we're robbing, stands up and he's fine. And I don't like magic. I feel like I should say that I don't like magic. I think they did a good job, but like this was Eleanor's idea to watch this movie.
0: I know it was my idea to watch this movie, and I thought I well I do like this movie, but like the magic parts
1: weren't my favorite. I know it's half of the movie. That's the entire point of the movie. What do you mean half the movie? That's the whole movie. No, there's also friendship. For a little bit, if you squint. Anyway, they put this man in a contraption and they put this, te- this little teleportation helmet on his head. which is the
0: best part of the whole movie (laughs) is the the helmet it looks ridiculous and
1: i love it and i kind of want one so they put him in the machine and the machine looks like it squashes him but then all of a sudden we get live because the teleportation film it also has a camera and then we get a live feed of etienne and he's like oh my god i'm in the bank vault in paris and we see him walking around this bank vault there's a whole bunch of cash just stacked in the middle of the floor um and Danny goes, "Oh my god, that looks like 3 million euro in cash." Danny Atlas, "How do you know what 3 million dollars <laughs> in cash?" Sorry, 3 million euro in cash looks like. Just I just I genuinely is, wondering Why
0: Would a bank? I know it's behind a vault, but why would a bank just leave a yeah pallet of cash out like that? Surely they wouldn't schedule their cash deliveries for the very end of day that they have to leave it for the next morning.
1: That's true. They're French.
0: It hit four thirty, and they're like, "Nope, we have to go." Sorry, three thirty, and they're like, "Mm, "Just got back from lunch. Gotta go home."
1: Is my understanding of the French, and they believe in long lunches um so anyway they're like oh my god that looks like three million euro in cash and so earlier before they sent him off to paris they had etienne sign a little card and had his ticket from the show so they tell him to drop that at the bottom of the pallet and then hang on and then press a little button on the side of his helmet and then like this tunnel starts and it sucks up all the money and then euros are just flying in this in this building in las vegas nevada okay and they're, like, just giving away euros. Like, can you imagine being a bank the next day? Because I see this <laughs> shows at night, right? This is just a whole bunch of people are coming in with as many euros as they could have grabbed falling out the sky. I'm like, can I um exchange these, please? And well, then you go to look at one... the numbers, and then it's like, oh, these were stolen from a bank in Paris this morning.
0: There's one really, really lucky person who had a flight booked to... to you know somewhere in Europe the next day mm-hmm. and they were like that's so awesome
1: that's just my whole vacation bankroll they're like going through they're like no i have nothing to declare please ignore the 10000 euro in my carry on anyway where did the frenchman go and how do we get him back cuz we do not see him again at least not in this scene
0: well obviously
1: um they kill him Because, like, I don't think he he could have gotten sucked up by the the little teleportation tunnel that took the money. But, like, where was he? They drug him, and then they put him back in his house. And then they're like, that's so crazy. Teleportation. It'll exhaust you. (laughs) Then we get to one of my favorite. I didn't know he was one of my favorite men. But every time I see him in a movie, I'm like, oh, my God, I love this man. Mark Ruffalo. Mark Ruffalo. Mark Ruffalo. Out here playing an FBI agent, because of course he is. Um, And he gets a call, and he's like, I don't think I heard you right. You said magic? And the person on the phone's like, yeah. And he's like, so he shows up to the office, and he's like, I've been working on this case for, like, some other case for months. I'm so close to cracking it. I do not want to deal with a bunch of magicians. And he's, like, trying to pawn it off on people. And then
0: we meet another character. Who? Again, I don't really. I well, I guess I get why she was there.
1: Nope, um this she's is stupid. A, she's an Interpol agent. Well, I she was there because the um
0: the bank that got well, robbed was Paris. I know was why the character Paris.
1: well Yeah, I do know why the character was there. That but I,
0: like, I I yeah. Uh, she's an Interpol agent and. She was like, I believe in magic, and I also believe I need that money back. And that's, like, the whole her whole thing for the whole movie.
1: It's just, so, like, he, so, Mark Ruffalo's character, I think his name is Rhodes. So, Agent Rhodes is, like, storming into his boss's office, and he's like, um, this is, I don't need this. And then the little French lady who no one saw before now was like, they took 3 million euro. And then, like, there's this pause and you can tell with the pause she's going to be his love interest. This movie doesn't need a love interest. There's so many things happening. And, like, I feel
0: like it could need a love interest if they did something with it. But they just they didn't do anything with it. Or, like, maybe a
1: love interest for one of the four main characters. But like,
0: yeah, there was like a little bit, uh, you know, some tension throughout the movie with uh, Redhead and Social Network Boy. But like, Mark Ruffalo's, yeah, whatever. Mark Ruffalo's love interest, just like,
1: they spent half the movie arguing. What? They spent half the movie arguing.
0: Oh, yeah, they do. They like, first of all, they don't like each other. And second of all, there's only one very specific part of the film where she's even. So basically, we're going to jump ahead real quick um, because it's my show and I say so. Is it okay if I jump ahead real quick?
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: Okay. Um, but basically, uh, Mark Ruffalo has to hunt the magicians. And it's like, you know, one of the big climax scenes where the magicians are going to pop up on top of a building somewhere and half of the team is going one way and the little French girl is like no you know they're going the wrong way (laughs) and so then he's like you're so right and one of the other people is like you can go with her it's okay and like that's the only time she matters to the plot at all.
1: Yeah, well, he needed someone to yell at, I guess, and he was doing a lot of that. You know what? I would have not have found attractive a man yelling at me every five minutes because he was going and through like, his own you stuff. You know, who
0: he could have yelled at anybody. He didn't have to yell at a lady. No. I think ladies get yelled at enough, and I'm comfortable going on record to say that.
1: I'm not, so I'm gonna move very quickly on. Um, I did like their partnership, but yeah, there was really no point in it going beyond that. And like I said, he they argued half the time. This is the first time I watched this movie that I knew what her name was. Would you believe that? i did I've mentioned this <laughs> i don't like know her name times. yeah i was paying attention on purpose this time um her name is alma and he's agent hey. Rhodes. and oh the french lady says that the banks won't take the uh not the french lady i'm sorry the so we get into an interrogation room because she's like oh i interviewed the french guy already and he's like oh really you interviewed my witness already and she's like what do you mean your witness you just said you didn't want this case and he's like well if it's okay with you i'm gonna go interview him now is that okay He's just being really condescending. She's like, "Yeah." So they go to interview the French man, even though she's told him the French man is useless and doesn't know anything. And he's like, "Guess what? He's useless and doesn't know anything." (laughs) Etienne, our little French man, is like, "I've never stolen anything in my life, and I've tried to give the money back, but they won't take it. Why won't they take the money, bro?" (laughs) Also, how did like how did did he get in? Is he in possession of the money? Because last we saw the money, it was just blowing around. I. Well,
0: when we saw like the vacuum turn up, he was grabbing some bills. So I'd have to imagine he's in possession of at least a few hundred euro. Alright, fair.
1: But enough. like
0: he definitely doesn't have all of it. Um, but yeah, why
1: would
0: Yeah. I because so... I, I get catching the people who took the money is important. But you can take the money back too. Mm-hmm. And like
1: especially if you're not getting all of it back
0: get as get as much as you can sorry they're not gonna just forget about the money
1: (laughs) yeah exactly they're not gonna forget it got stolen they're still gonna want to find out who did it but um so he's like so how did you end up from uh how did you go from las vegas to paris and the french man's like magic and understandably agent (laughs) does not like that answer (laughs) so he's like this is bs um, I do love this little this little bit because that's a trigger word for um, some of the hypnosis Merritt did so that Etienne now believes he's in the Philharmonic so he stands up on the desk and is, is playing his little violin what's funny is we hear the the classical music um I have to, it obviously in the room they were not hearing the music <laughs> so. I do really like that they they let us hear it yeah. <laughs> And so then they leave the room with the French guy and they're like having a bit of more of still having an argument because Agent Rhodes is being a meanie face. And when they finally come to an agreement, but like as they're arguing, we we see, um, we see like Jack in one interrogation room. It's like that, you know, that double sided glass that like interrogation rooms have. So they're looking at Jack. Me too, Jack. Jack is sleeping. He's got his feet kicked up on the table. He's handcuffed to the table. He's asleep. Because, like, you got to get your eight hours in while you can. You know what I mean?
0: You really do. Especially, you know, he is potentially entering a high-stress situation. you got
1: to sleep before that. Mm-hmm. And then we see, and they move over to Henley's room, and they're still arguing. And she's, like, just spinning this chair around, but, like, without touching it. Um. And then he's, like, and then Agent Rhodes finally gets off his high horse, and he's, like, okay, fine. Which one of these guys do you want to talk to first? And they decide to talk to Merritt. And now Agent Rhodes, one of the other one of the other FBI agents, comes up to him before he goes in the room. He's like, I just want you to know, like, mentalism has never pr- been proven to be real. And, like, so whatever he says in there, like, just ignore him. Because mentalism's not real. And we've talked about this before. But remember what we said about, like, acting suspicious? Mm-hmm. And, like, maybe if you didn't do all that groundwork before when Agent Rhodes went in the room, he probably wouldn't have believed Merritt. Because Merrick Merrick starts talking about how I guess the other agent and his wife have a deal where on Tuesdays, the agent dresses up like a lady. But like, if lady. he hadn't been so if he hadn't been so adamant that mentalism wasn't real thirty seconds before, I probably would have just been like, "That man's crazy." Because Rhodes doesn't believe in magic. Rhodes already doesn't like this guy. He probably just been like, "Oh, he's trying to piss me off," and then moved on. Which like is his attitude for every other yes. second of the entire exactly. movie? The next, the rest of the scene is like cut between the two of them interviewing Merritt and him like doing his mentalism, and them interviewing Danny and Danny just being arrogant. And I get the feeling that Mer- they probably so they went to interview Merritt first, as we see, and he probably annoyed him so much so that they left <laughs> him and talked to Danny, and then Danny proceeded to fully piss him off. <laughs>
0: It's a great piece of inter. I do like a good interrogation scene. Yeah, me too. So it was very good for that. But um if I were Mark Ruffalo, I would have quit my job. I know oh, he definitely. couldn't for reasons we will get to, but if I I wouldn't ca- I wouldn't want that money back. I'd be like I need you to stop talking to me like that. I've- I I got to go.
1: Real quick. I'm sorry to the audience. Eleanor, how have we been here for like an hour? And we haven't we're not even halfway through the movie. <laughs> I feel like it's been fifteen minutes. Okay, um, we're gonna we're gonna speed this up a little bit. Now, I hate to say it because but Danny is right because Agent Rhodes is like, We're gonna we're gonna get you and we're gonna arrest you and Danny's like, No you're not, because you're gonna have to who's gonna take magic to a jury is basically his justification. He's like, If you yeah, arrest us, like- you're gonna have to the FBI on an institutional level is admitting that magic is real. You're not going to do... Like, who's going to take you seriously? You're going to look like idiots. And he is right. Yes. Um, and I said, Danny is making good points, but could he be more pretentious about it? But, like, probably. And then he does one of the coolest things. I will I will forgive him because he, one, the next part is so cool is Rhodes gets mad and he stands up and he slams his hands on the desk and Danny switches the handcuffs from his hands to Rhodes. And then he turns to Alma, the French lady, and he's like, "What's wrong with that soda, miss?" And she shakes the soda, and you hear something clacking around in there. And she opens the soda and pours it out on the table, and a key drops out. And what I was wondering has popped up to me for me before is how much of like this was planned in the apartment, and how much they came up with on their own. Like obviously, robbing the bank was uh, in the plans in the apartment. Like that had to be right. like the fine Mm -hmm. details like how did he know there was going to be a soda like if there was no soda where did he put the key like was that left up to them in the moment
0: yeah i think like some of the the smaller things like that were were left up to their skills they were possibly like just given an objective Mm -hmm. or you know as we come to learn i'm sure that if the soda was an integral part of it Somebody was there to make sure that the soda, because I'm pretty sure Mark Ruffalo gives him the soda. If I'm remembering correctly, Mark Ruffalo gives him the
1: soda. I don't know. I just so I, like, I thought she had the soda and it was just left on the table. Um, but I remember I Mark Ruffalo I, was drinking because Mark Ruffalo was drinking a soda and eating chips okay. earlier. But this one was like a closed soda.
0: I I to think pop the tab either to the key out. it was planned, or if it or if not, they were like given a this is what you have to do play to your own magical abilities to to get mm-hmm. there
1: sort of thing. Yeah. So then next they go to visit Morgan Freeman. Um I remember I brought up Morgan Freeman and didn't explain why I brought up Morgan Freeman. <laughs> Morgan Freeman's in the audience and he plays this character who used to be a magician, but now his his life's work is like filming musicians and debunking their tricks and he like sells DVDs on this and makes tons of money on it. So what? The French lady and Mark Ruffalo go to visit him, and he takes them to the stadium. I keep calling it a stadium. What's, that's not the right word, but he takes them to the stadium. It's a, wh- yeah, whatever. It's a. Exactly right. Theater. He takes them to the stadium yeah. and shows them um, how they how Concert they did hall? the trick. No, it's like a. Anyway, he shows them how they did the trick. So he puts, he makes, he makes Mark, 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 Mark Ruffalo put the little teleportation helmet on, puts him in the little machine, and then he gets dropped into the French bank. Except now there's no cash there, and then the bank, the, the vault to the bank door opens, and it turns out they're still in the stadium. Everyone has just come down the stairs. So basically, it turns out that the Four Horsemen built a replica of this Frenchman's bank. Um, went to Paris. Now, when were they in Paris? Could the FBI not have checked that they had all been in Paris and, like, put two and two together?
0: I would have to imagine that they were in Paris. At, well, no, because they weren't in Paris at different time. Maybe... No, that, they all have
1: to be at the same time, because what happens is, um, Arthur Tressler, who's the character... No, that's not Arthur Tressler. What's his name? His name's, like, Thaddeus. I'm gonna call him Morgan Freeman. Morgan Freeman yeah. explains that they go to paris and they hit like they like subconsciously plant las vegas in this man's mind so etienne who's our french guy who robbed the bank Merritt passes him first and says viva las vegas and Etienne kind of looks at him weird and then danny atlas passes him on the stairs flicking like a a casino chip in front of him mm-hmm. so he can see las vegas and then grabs it right in front of his face and then henley bumps into him and, t- and like says sorry and she, like, touches his, his chest in his hands and goes, oh, so, pardon part me, and she walks by. And then she goes, I got his measurements, which is how they got the measurements for the teleportation helmet and the little machine they put which, him like, in. Which, like, how many?
0: Yeah. How many different fight. helmet sizes are there?
1: No, my you know? thing is, how did she? Because she, it wasn't like she, like, held on to him for a long time. She was like, tap, tap. And then she's like, got his measurements. How? Technology. I would love to have Magic. a skill like that. Because that's insane. Anyway. And then earlier, um, he's like, so how they rob? Um, Mark Ruffalo's like, so how they rob the bank? And Morgan Freeman's like, oh, they didn't rob the bank. So then they talk about how there's no money in the bank. And he's like, um, and then Mark Ruffalo goes, you said they didn't steal the money. And uh, Mark- Morgan Freeman goes, I didn't say they didn't steal the money. I said they didn't rob the bank. So it turns out what they did is they slipped, I don't know how. Um, Danny and <laughs> Henley like slip themselves under the, the like pallet that the money's being transported in, and end up in the armored truck, which thing is a little callback to when Henley was like, do you know how small you have to be to fit into these tiny little spaces? So they're on the armored truck. Merritt hypnotizes the guy driving the armored truck, and Henley knocks knocks the guy that's in the truck out, and then they they steal the money. Her the four of them, because Jack's there with the car. So they steal the money out the truck and they replace it with what's called flash paper. And flash paper burns and doesn't leave any smoke or residue. And also that's how they, I remember I mentioned earlier, the little Frenchman had left like a card in his ticket stub for the show in the pallet. That's how they got those to be in the real bank in France. Is when they went to France, they just got his signature on a card. And I guess they just left a random ticket because they had them.
0: Yeah, they, they they yeah they had the tickets beforehand, and then they they got his ticket, his uh, signature from his credit card, which I think very smart. Mm-hmm. And there's also a callback to or a call for. I don't remember if it happened before or after, but the whole getting something way beforehand to that happens after. make magic with later.
1: Yeah, that happens after. That's when. But so so remember that's that when the idea starts. Um. Now, this is the only time I think that Agent Rhodes, are, sorry, Mark Buffalo and the French Lady are cute, is they're on the plane to Louisiana, which is where the Four Horsemen are doing their next show, and she's practicing card tricks, and she goes, is this your card? And he goes, no, my card's over there on that guy's lap, because in her <laughs> shuffling it, like, flew out the deck, and then she tries it again, and he, she goes, is this your card? And he goes, yeah, and it's very obvious, he's lying, and she's like, really? And he's like, yeah, and she's, like, just so pleased with herself he's like smiling a little bit that was the only time i was like maybe this is cute and then the rest of the movie bad not cute yeah
0: it's not like they're not cute it's just so unnecessary mm-hmm. and like this movie had so much going
1: on we mm-hmm. didn't need we didn't need more Mm-mm. you know now while they're on this like well mark ruffalo and the french lady are on this plane this that like, commercial plane cramped together um the four horsemen are like just g chilling on arthur Tressler's private, private jet, jet. And they're all like, and this, be, um, I know we're trying to go faster because we've kept you here for a while, but this part's important because um, Danny's like, oh, mentalism's easy. He's like goading um, Merritt because Merritt's flirting with Henley and Danny doesn't like it. So he's like, mm-hmm. I can do Which, it. Which like, so. that's
0: enough romance for the whole thing. Exactly. Okay. I know Isla Fisher isn't in the sequel and may or may not be in the third one, but like that little romance subplot, that's enough. Okay.
1: We don't need romance everywhere. So he's like, I can do it. And he's like, okay. Um, and Danny says, I'm going to read um, Arthur Tressler's assistant. And Arthur Tressler goes, no, read me. And Merrick, Merrick, if you notice, he like, starts small and builds when he's like doing his mentalism and figuring things about you. Danny just straight up started saying words. He was like, you had a big tough dog and you were a real tough guy. Like just no foundation, just started saying stuff. And Arthur Treacher was like, "Nope, I was a prissy, and I had a white cat named Snuffles." And then Jack's like, "Let me try. I could do better." Which I agree, he could do better. But Danny goes, "No, no, no. <laughs> let me try one more time." And he goes, "All right, you had like a real tough uncle. He had a real rapscallion of a name." And he's like, "No, I, I got nothing." And Arthur Trish was like, "My uncle's name was the Armitage Cushum, Just Cush. Just the craziest name yeah. you could think of. Just uh, the it was like Armitage name in Cushman world. or something like mm-hmm. that. And they're like, "Oh wow, really? That was your childhood?" Um, so then they get to which like why are they surprised that's his childhood he's a my multi-millionaire like, with enough
0: free time
1: yeah Danny doubled down on the big tough guy after he was like no I was a prissy and I had a white cat named Snuffles he's like okay well your uncle was he just really doubled down on the tough guy thing even though he was wrong the guy? first time <laughs> it was not um oh it was Cushman Armitage was his name I got it backwards it was not <laughs> Cushman Armitage and it was not Arthur Tressler. But they get to... So, everyone gets to New Orleans. It's Mardi Gras. So, like, no one can find a place to say the streets are packed, which is going to cause some problems later. But they go to see them. The, um... Mark Ruffalo and the French Lady go to see the Four Horsemen perform. And the Four Horsemen, um... Are are like it's, it's we don't get the show in chronological order. We get like bits and pieces that all come mm-hmm. together. And they say that at the beginning of the show, they're like the trick. They're like they may seem like separate tricks, but the tricks are all connected, which is foreshadowing for well, the no, show. They they pose it as a question. They're like,
0: is this one big trick or many different tricks? Which I think was was a cute way to do it.
1: Yeah, and it, it's foreshadowing not only for the show but for the end of the movie as well, which um we will bring up shortly. Um, Hopefully. <laughs> 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 or we might bring up in a long time because we've been here for so long um but basically the 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 main thing that happens in the show is they rob arthur tressler and i think this yes. is genius um, because they have every they have everyone during intermission like fill out how much money is in their bank balance and then they call out some ra- he's like merit's on stage and he's like okay everyone yell out your names to me and he calls three random names and there's and then he guesses he quote unquote guesses how much money's in their bank account. And one girl's got like five hundred sixty two dollars. Don't be doing that to people. No one needs no. to know how much money's in my bank if account. If someone
0: asked me to do that, I would lie. Yeah. First of all. And second of all I mean but it's not
1: that vital to the whole thing it's really truly not but she's like yeah i got 562 dollars and the one got someone else had 6500 someone else had like a thousand and and some money in there and he's like oh but you're all wrong and they bring arthur tressler on stage and everyone's got like these little tiny pieces of paper they wrote their bank balance on and then they bring out this giant check and arthur tressler's got like 144 million in his on his check that's how much is in his bank account and then they everyone's got little flashlights under their seat and they're like And then Jack brings out a big flashlight and shines it on Arthur Tressler's check. And they're like, oh, my God, that's crazy. It's changing. And it goes down by $70,000. And the lady that had $562 in her bank account now has has seventy thousand. dollars And And then the more they keep shining the flashlight on the big check, the amount it goes down, someone else's bank account goes up that much. And they take all this money from him. And Arthur Tressler's like, this is just for... Yeah, no, he's like,
0: go. is this just for show or is it for real? And the Isla Isla Fisher, Henley, whatever, is like, it's for show in the sense that we're doing it on a stage.
1: Yeah, but then the best bit, right, is, so they're like escaping, and Arthur Tressler's like trying to grab money. They handcuff him to the stage, and he's like, "How did you get my money?" And they're like, "Well, they're like, well, we couldn't possibly do that. We would need your password." And if we don't have, if in the, they're like, we don't have your password to get something, to get that kind of information, we would need to know things like your first pet's name and your mother's maiden name, which if you remember on the plane, what did he tell them? They told them, He told them his, sister, his mother's brother's name, Cushman Armitage. And they told he told him his first putt was named a white cat named Snuffles, and they were like how, they were like yeah we would have to know that information and how would we know that information um Arthur Trussler? you certainly wouldn't tell us you would never give it to us yeah <laughs> and then they they escape and earlier in the show, Merritt had hypnotized some people to believe they were on a football team and they had to tackle the quarterback and the quarterback is the one who says freeze now you know what FBI agents say when you're trying to escape from them and they want you to stop freeze they say. Stop. Oh, sorry. <laughs> so Mark Ruffalo yells freeze, and then these random people from the audience are like, get the quarterback and tackle him. So he obviously can't run after them. Then we get this big old chase scene. They're running through the streets of New Orleans during Mardi Gras and, like, tr- like trying to track the four horsemen, but they get tricked and they're tracking themselves. And, um... Which, like, honestly, I've never, he- you know,
0: held... FBI technology, FBI tracking technology. I feel like I would catch on a little bit sooner if they were like, "Oh my goodness, he's turning right where I'm turning." That's crazy. Yeah, like on the
1: on the little tracker where he was tra- like he wasn't tracking himself the entire time, but from when he was like the tracker and then the that where he was showing Mark Ruffalo was weren't like quite next to each other even though he was tracking himself. There was like a gap. <laughs> And then it took to the end, he's like, oh my god, I'm tracking myself. Which, like, homie, obviously, yeah. <laughs> I've been with you this, like, okay. Anyway, best scene is coming up. I, I know I've been doing a lot of talking, it's just I remember what, I actually remember what happens in this movie. And my notes make more sense when I explain the scene. <laughs> <laughs> but the best scene is coming up. Um, they've, so apparently they've set up shop in the apartment, the first apartment we see them in. They've, like, shut up shop in there for a year because they've got, like, plans on the wall, and, like, it's very clearly, like, this is their head of operations. And the FBI um, figures this out because they're like, ooh, we got a one-up on them. A lot has happened. Basically, they, like, think they got a one-up on them and they're tracking them. So they track them to the apartment in New York. And they're back in New York and they storm this apartment building. And they're just terrorizing the people in this apartment building. And like, burst in one lady's door and she's, like, holding her baby. So they're just, like, breaking down people's doors randomly. So it's, like, it's a very realistic depiction of, of what law lot yes, does. fair enough. Um, but right before they burst in, we see the four horsemen, they're, like, trying to pack up the apartment and destroy everything, and Danny says to Jack, um, you always wanted to be an adult, it's time to start acting like one, which I thought was rude. Basically, Jack's job is to stay behind and mm-hmm. destroy the rest of the evidence while the other three leave. So, the three escape, and then Mark Ruffalo and his partner, not the French lady, but this other dude, um, finally get into the apartment that the that, four horsemen That's his have. name, the other dude. Legally, yes. Um show up into the apartment that the four horsemen had and they're like looking around and jack's hiding and jack's almost spooky he's like hiding on top of a bookshelf and he like very carefully lowers himself to the ground behind a uh, behind the door behind mark ruffalo where he can't see him and then he just punches the other dude in the face and gets him stuck in the what's it called the disposal i don't have one you know the thing you the, gotta, like... yeah yeah the yeah the in sync or whatever garbage disposal garbage disposal i don't know one of those um he he like sticks his the jack his jacket you don't in the... have one like even at We've home been to my house i'm sorry i didn't spend a lot of quality time with your sink no we don't have a garbage disposal oh that's weird i find them weird
0: what?
1: anyway we're way anyway. over time um so he we're shoved so the guy's jacket time. into the garbage disposal so the guy's and then he and Mark Ruffalo fight. And um, he said, I said, Jack Wilder said, punch first, ask questions later. Now, mm-hmm. best scene. Um, he, he gets Mark Ruffalo handcuffed to this table, takes his radio. And Mark Ruffalo's like, uh, what are you doing? And Jack starts mimicking his voice. And he, get, he mimics his voice perfectly. And then on the radio, because the radio's like calling to make sure everything's okay. And he's like, all good to hear, move to the next floor. um, In the perfect imitation of Mark Ruffalo's voice. I'm sure... Dave Franco did that himself. Oh, also, Dave Franco is yes. the better Franco brother. That was my note at the beginning of the movie. Oh, uh, not even a question. He's he so the hype cute. In. He's, a, he's
0: like, so And I didn't, cute. like I said, I
1: didn't love him before I saw this movie, but this movie I was like, maybe he's nice. Um, And
0: I know, like, the character he's playing in this movie is literally just his character from 21 Jump Street, but with magic. No, but you got,
1: he's smart here. I think he's smarter here.
0: He's smarter. Yes, yes,
1: okay. But, like, for the most part... <laughs> I think this is the smartest character I've seen him play, because also he's when he was in very, Scrubs, not not the brightest. He was in he's medical not a very, school. Um, trans he transformative actor will say no, but this movie understands the definition of Chekhov's gun. Okay, because what the theory is that if you show a gun in the scene, it has to go off later. So anything you bring up on screen has to be relevant. Now if you remember, there was flash paper. Um, Jack starts throwing flash paper at. Mark Ruffalo. Then he brings up cards. Now, in the New Orleans show, one of Jack's tricks was he threw a bunch of cards into the crowd and got it to stick on a pencil this audience member was holding. And then another one is he f- he threw the cards in the crowd but, like, cut the pencil in half. Now, he's got a bunch of cards up his sleeve and Mark Ruffalo goes, really? And Jack Wilder goes, yeah, really. Mm-hmm. And then he starts flicking the cards at him at velocity till they hurt. And then he escapes out the door.
0: There's a CSI... Um, this is kind of important, I promise. There's a CSI where somebody gets killed because they're in an elevator and somebody throws a playing card through the closing doors and it slices their carotid, and now I'm kind of scared of being killed by a playing card.
1: Oh, my, okay, maybe I shouldn't tell you this. I would love to learn how to throw cards like that, I think that's so cool.
0: Well, you can learn, just I don't, I don't want (laughs) to, help don't, I don't want to, I I don't want (laughs) to, I don't want to help you practice. One time Kalina made me practice her jujitsu moves with her, and like, I never want to help you again
1: one time um i didn't make eleanor practice i just kicked her and then she had a bruise for a really long time she brings it up every every single time i see her she brings it up it hurt in my defense i didn't know people bruise that easily that's racist i bruise if you look at me no it's not (laughs) if you want to make it racist sure Uh, if i don't bruise as easily as eleanor i don't think that has anything to do with our skin color my. I don't think it hurts. I don't think this is a productive conversation. <laughs> anyway, I bruise really oh, no. easily. I'm like a tomato. <laughs> I was gonna. Te- you're like a peach. I was gonna tell you to hop in anytime you want, cause I'm just basically trying to give the plot to get to the important bits. um I'm hopping in when it's vital. Now it gets bad. So Mark Mar- Mark Ruffalo <laughs> is driving down the road. Jack has stolen an FBI car. He's racing down the road. They're just racing down the streets of New York. One part I thought was funny. Mark Ruffalo and the French lady are in the car together. She's driving and he goes, we're heading east on the FDR. And she goes, this is not east, which is what it would be like trying to do a mad escape with Eleanor. Okay, Eleanor is directly challenged. Wait, you
0: missed the best part. She was, I think this already, I think this already happened. Um, She was told to be, she uh, got told to stay in the car Mm -hmm. while they went up to the apartment building, but she got out of the car and then she realized like they had to have a car to leave. And she came up to some guy, and she goes FBI, kind of, and just. Oh, my favorite
1: part of that scene is he didn't try to stop her from taking the car at all. He was like, he was like on the phone. He's like, what? And then she just drove off. And and then in the scene where she's driving off, someone's running after her. It's not the man who owns the car. It's the FBI agent who was in charge of watching her. But they're like flying down the road. Jack's like they're just zipping through traffic and cutting across and all this stuff. And they're on the FVR drive. And Jack cuts in. um, Jack cuts in front of a bus and then cuts back. Like, he's like he cuts over in front of the bus and they can't see him and then he cuts back over and it seems like he's safe and then his car flips and it just it just it's just rolling for it ages catches on fire it's rolling it is going crazy it has its own little dance number yeah and so mark ruffalo tries to, once it stops rolling finally mark ruffalo runs there and tries to save him but they realize the car is going to explode so his other his partner not the french lady but the other guy is like you gotta get out, we gotta you gotta save yourself. And so he grab at the last minute Mike Ruffalo grabs the papers that Jack was escaping with and they run off as the car explodes. Now, if you remember when I said remember this earlier, Jack got what card? Death. Death. And what is Jack now? Dead. Yes, you're so smart. Thank, Thank you for you. participating. Anytime. So um Will you pick this up, please? He is... Yeah. So he is dead. And we are all very,
0: very sad. Mm-hmm. But as they say in New York, the show must go on. They say that everywhere. Um, and so... Uh, oh, my goodness. So basically, they're having one final show. Mm-hmm. And it's at the Five Points in New York. And uh, so...
1: Oh, God, so much happens. Toledo, you really... Press for time. Okay, I'll pick it back up. It's fine. Thank you. They're they're doing a show. But basically, they're, like, going to go get this safe, right? And they're like, oh, my God, we have to go get the safe. So the FBI rushes over there because they think they're going to steal the safe. They get there. Safe is gone. And the security guard who's in charge of the safe is like, oh, you... uh, So the guy guy in charge of all of them in this FBI scenario is um, played by Common. And Common... Um, the security guard in charge of the safe was like, oh, you just got a phone call and then you said to pack the safe up and and drive it off. And he's like, no, I didn't. And one of the other agents in the room goes, oh, this is BS. And then guess what Common starts doing? Because he said BS,
0: Common starts having a little orchestra number. Now, we didn't mention this. Should I know who Common
1: is? He's a rapper, I'm pretty sure. Okay. I always think he's Ti, but I know he's not. And T.I. they don't recognize him because. Anyway, um, this I didn't mention this earlier, but um, we did hear when Merritt was like at his prime. One of his tricks was he used to be able to hypnotize people over the phone. And in the scene, yes. the security guard says, "You got a phone call," and then you told us to pack up this the safe. And and comments like, "No, I didn't," because Merritt called him, hypnotized him over the phone to tell him to pack up the safe and then tell him that he was in the Philharmonic if he See, heard the word BS.
0: Well, I thought the Philharmonic thing was because, remember at the very beginning, they said that um, they'd hypnotized half the audience in the first show
1: to pretend they're in the mm-hmm. Philharmonic. So I Well, yeah, that's it, what the Philharmonic it, thing was, but it was because I was always trying to figure out what the phone call had to do with anything, but I caught it this mm-hmm. time as Merrick was able to hypnotize over the phone. So he called Common and w- hypnotized him over the phone to, one, tell them about the safe, and two, did the Philharmonic thing. We'll
0: I thought it earlier. was that, or it was a uh, spoiler alert. James De, Franco is alive. I thought Eleanor. it was because I thought it was because he mimicked his voice so perfectly because of the whole thing with Mark Ruffalo. But yours makes more sense.
1: No, no, it's Merritt called him on the phone. I hypnotized him over the phone. Um, that was the first time I caught this. Anyway, um, so morgan freeman's like giving them a play-by-play of how this trick is working if i remember correctly and like how mm-hmm. they scam them all with this stuff this is a little later but basically morgan freeman's like here's how they did this and in their new orleans show they showed um there's a trick where you put a rabbit in a box and then you close the box and you open the box and the rabbit's miss is gone and the box is empty but it's just a trick with mirrors which i never get the mirror trick because like if you walked close enough to the mirror you'd see yourself but anyway, that's what they did yeah, in the room with the safe. absolutely confused me way too much, but yes. It turns out the safe that they, so basically they're like, oh my God, they're taking the safe. We're going to follow it. They don't know that we're onto them, but they do know that they're onto them and they just sent them to follow a fake safe full of stuff, um, full of balloon animals. The real safe is still in the room with Common while he's playing his little philharmonic piece. James Franco shows up, Dave, Dave um, Jack Wilder shows up, not James Franco, the other, fr- Jack Wilder shows up. <laughs> And it turns out they did the same thing you do in the with the rabbit in the box. They put a mirror in the room so the room looked empty, but the safe was really behind the mirror. And he breaks into the... what was in this. Oh, this, was the safe. The money. Yes. Okay. Um. Anyway, he goes. He gets the safe because he's alive. While three of them, Well, Henley, Danny, and Merritt are, you know, doing, doing their, their final last little hurrah. trick. Um. And then they like. Drop a bunch of money over the crowd at one point in time, and I wrote down where do they get all this cash from? Doesn't withdrawing large amounts of cash put you on a watch list?
0: Well, no, it's it's the safe money, I think.
1: No, it well, it turns out that they've they've printed money with their face on it. Smarter, but like so if it was real money. cash, that 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 would get you on a watch list to withdraw all that cash. But anyway, so well, I they're think like, they're already okay, on a watch list if that makes husbands, you feel any night better. Night But they're like, we're the four horsemen. Good night. And they they poof off into the air. And the FBI has been, like, chasing their tails. And this is the scene Eleanor mentioned earlier where Mark Ruffalo goes off with the French lady because she's like, you know they're going in the wrong direction. And, but, like, which they she was right, but they still didn't catch them. So, like, her being right didn't help anybody. Mm-mm. And I'm surprised your man doesn't get fired. But then they're like, if this cache is fake because it's got the four horsemen's faces printed on it where's the real cash then we get a scene of Morgan Freeman walking to his car he unlocks his car his car doesn't explode but it bursts open cuz it's full of all the cash from the safe and then the police all show up now if i were a cop i would have been like this is a little convenient to just <laughs> every single like how did he like how did he stuff every single bill into his car and we just happen to roll up the same time all of the bills are falling out of his car that he's currently walking to i would be like this is too obviously
0: easy. They were like, this is really convenient. We don't have to put more work into this arrest. Let's go.
1: Yeah, that too, because everything they've done with these people has been so difficult. I would have been like, this this is just getting handed to us. I feel like I should be suspicious. But yeah, maybe they're like, finally an easy one. So Mm -hmm. then Morgan Freeman's in jail, but like, not like, he's like, he's in a cell in this abandoned building is what it looks like, okay? (laughs) And Mark Ruffalo comes to talk to him. And Mark Ruffalo's like, I just don't get it. Like, what was the point of all of this? And that goes back to when they said, "Is this all like, is it a bunch of little tricks, or are they all connected?" Because it turns out Tressler Insurance and the 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 French bank and like all of that comes into play. All of that they weren't just targeting them randomly. Like they all had something to do with their end goal of revenge, which we'll find out shortly. Very but honest. they're, but they're like, oh, they're. Uh, but um, Morgan Freeman's like. Um, I don't want a profile. I want a name because he's like, because Morgan Freeman's like, you know, it's got to be someone really smart and someone who's like, just so invested, but like you would never suspect them. And he's like, because he was always ahead of us. He was always one step ahead of the FBI, almost like he was in. Like he was on the. And then he turns around, and Mark Ruffalo's not because Mark Ruffalo got locked into the cell with him, so he could talk to him alone. He turns around, Mark Ruffalo's gone. Ruffalo, and then you hear gone. you hear Mark Ruffalo go on the inside. And Morgan Freeman turns back around. Mark Ruffalo's now on the outside of the cell. And Mark is like, it's you. And plot twist, of all plot twists, Mark, Mark, Ruff, Mark Ruffalo's been the man on the inside this whole time. But Morgan Freeman's like, who are you? And Mark Ruffalo's like, no, you, you know, I've waited years to see the look on your face. And Morgan Freeman's like, what do you want from me? And he goes, Mark Ruffalo goes, I want you... To sit in the cell and rot for the rest of your life, essentially, and then he walks off. Love, just just the the little. He's almost as if he was on the, and then the he turns around, and he's gone on the inside. It's so good, so brilliant. While it's this amazing. is happening, while we see this scene happening, it's cut in with the four horsemen. Uh, well, Henley. Oh, also, just real quick. Uh, do mm-hmm. you remember how Kalina
0: said that uh, uh, Morgan Freeman's whole thing was like defrauding magicians? It turns mm-hmm. out that um, the very first magician that he defrauded is um, Mark Ruffalo's dad, which is the like the, the revenge plot. That's he didn't just wake up and decide to hate Morgan Freeman.
1: Oh, yeah. Um, more, um, Mark Ruffalo's dad was named Lionel Shrike, and he got defrauded. And Morgan Freeman's like, it's not my fault he died. But like, it kind of is because yeah, basically it, what basically... he did is to... You know, you go. I've been talking enough.
0: Yeah. So his whole trick was that he was going to escape from a safe. And that was like his big comeback after being defrauded by Morgan Freeman, I believe. Um, so he got in the safe and got pushed into the water and then he was going to come up and be like, what? Uh. no, he died at the bottom of the river. So yeah. uh, basically, Mark Ruffalo blames morgan freeman because his dad never would have done the safe trick if he hadn't have been defrauded the first time because he wouldn't have needed a big comeback
1: yeah and then that's when um arthur tressler insurance insur had had um mark ruffalo's family's life insurance when his father died so that's why they targeted him and so that's how it all comes into that's why they also picked tressler to to scam and rob um so what we yeah what and we're they seeing- also
0: Mm-hmm. So they had something They were something to do with like the the manufacturer of the safes had something to do. Like every yeah. single person that they targeted had something. Uh, yeah, to do and the with bank that held staff. the notes
1: was the Credit Republican of Paris, which is the first bank they robbed. Mm-hmm. But um, while we're seeing Mark Ruffalo, before while we're getting this reveal of Mark Ruffalo and Morgan Freeman talking to each other, we're seeing Henley, Merritt, and Danny Atlas in Central Park, and they're walking around. They're trying to figure out where they're supposed to go, and they figure out they're supposed to go to this carousel because it turns on, and they. But they're walking around, and they see the gate's locked. And they go, oh, no, it's locked. And then you get my man, Jack Wilder, walking up from the other side of the gate. And he goes, oh, weren't you guys listening? Nothing's ever locked. And he unlocks the gate for them. And they go to the carousel. And then that's when they find out that Mark Ruffalo's been behind it the whole time because he's standing out in the front. And he's like, you guys are in. Welcome to the eye. And basically, there's been a, a slight undercurrent that wasn't super important. But the eye is this secret magic society that accepts people twice a century and Mark Ruffalo has, but, you, but basically they, to get inducted into the eye, you have to follow a series of instructions with blind faith and like just, you just have to follow them to a T, which is what they've been doing for the last year. So they have been inducted into the eye and then we get a stupid scene um, of Mark <laughs> Ruffalo going it's to so Paris dumb. and surprising the French lady. And he's like, the one thing I couldn't imagine happening was you. It's Shut up. You. That's because she doesn't make any sense as a character. Like she has no
0: reason to be there. It does not add anything to the story at all. And
1: I don't even think she's in the second one. So and like at the end, she's really like, just and I know... there for nothing. Yeah, he's like, I know you should turn me in. Yeah, she should because what you did is illegal. It was super illegal. Even if it, they're going to do like, the, like, but, romance plot, he me should...
0: too much.
1: Yeah, even if they're going to do the romance plot, she, he shouldn't have gone to see her and been... Or, like, if he told her what was happening, he should have been 50 miles away when he did it. Because you yeah. know what she should have done? Turn him in.
0: But, you know, you know what they do instead? They go to that little bridge where you can lock secrets up, and they lock their secret up. And, you know, clicking the lock is also the start of their love. It's stupid. In case you wanted to know how I felt.
1: Anyway, we've been here for a very long time. (laughs) For so long. This is our longest episode ever. Um, (laughs) If you want to hear us talk about Now You See Me Too, please let us know. Unfortunately, we're going to. We're going to. I was watching when I was watching it today, I was like, Man, I'm gonna watch the sequel after this. I usually don't watch the second one, even though the second one I think has the most famous scene out of the two, because I see it on, on Instagram all the time.
0: I always think that um Evan Peters is in this movie and this is when he has his Quicksilver moment. I don't know why, but
1: you cannot convince Funnily him enough, otherwise. he has his Quicksilver moment when he plays Quicksilver in the movie.
0: Yeah, for some reason my brain is not able to reconcile that Evan Peters is not in this movie as Quicksilver. I don't think I've ever seen him. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen the actual movie it's from. But you just—I was waiting this whole movie. I was like, when is Evan Peters <laughs> showing up? Show up? I was very
1: confused. You're like, it um, doesn't really make sense with the plot, but neither does the romance. So okay,
0: whatever. It's <laughs> like, yeah. Um. So moral of the story: you don't always need a romance plot. Um. And also, if there is, we talk it's lot. me and whichever Franco it is. Yeah, this was really long. It didn't feel like that long, but I'm looking now, and it's almost me two neither. hours.
1: Yeah, so I said like, an hour and five bad. minutes on my on my recorder, and we hadn't even got we hadn't even finished talking about the first show they <laughs> did, which is like in the first ten minutes of the movie. <laughs> so,
0: uh, that's our bad. But we have fun. We hope mm, we you did probably too. had fun. I had a lot of fun. I Had a great time. We'll see you next week anyway. I'm Kalina. We will see you next week. I've been Eleanor.
1: (laughs) Bye. Thanks for listening. Don't quote me on that. One day we'll have an outro, but it's not today.